Okay. Hi, guys. Welcome back to episode five. Grace and I brought on Amy and Leanne, who happen to be EMU EEG techs. And we have a few questions and stories to share in exchange so we can get the other side of the EEG because a lot of us don't know what the heck is going on. I know I don't. <laughs> so uh, we brought them on. They were lovely enough to share some info with us. So um, here is Amy and Leanne. Do you guys want to say a little bit about what you do? You don't have to say a location or anything. I'll go first. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I started the on-the-job training um, just over four years ago, um, and I was put in the EMU right away. Uh, I mean, I'm allowed to go out into clinic and stuff like that, but I just, I have a um, huge passion for EMUs specifically because uh, I feel like that's where we get to help out the patients the most, and truly, I think it's also the most interesting with the surgical you know, cases we get. Um, and then when we have to watch people on continuous in the ICUs, you never know what's gonna come your way. So it's always interesting. Agreed with everything Amy said. And I've been in EEG tech a little over two years on the job training as well. And I also um, took classes. So I officially have graduated from there and then next step would be to be the registration for the EEG and I feel the same as Amy. EMU is just such a intricate, um, definitely more detailed as far as EEG goes and you learn a lot more um, with the patients and feeling that I love the one-on-one -on -one that you get all week as well with the patients and getting to know them and um, you know hopefully hearing their uh, great side of their stories later on once they've stayed in the EMU, so. It's made like some to the point where I've, I know my, my EEG tech or EMU tech by first name. She knows me in passing now because they, like you said, you spend so many hours with them and like they get to come in if you move a stupid way and knock a lead off or something like that, which I tend to do, so. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like I was in there five and a half years ago and then I went back in in July and the EEG tech who did mine the first time that I was in the EMU was there again and she was like hey and she had 64 leads this time and I was like oh my god and she's like we needed to put on more on you last time so we're gonna put them all on this time so we don't have to put more on and I'm like oh great. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be remembered. Right. Oh my gosh. Like, that's so many leads. Oh, too. That's good. Two, two hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh gosh. I have a tiny head. I don't know how she fit them all. <laughs> I have a tiny head. So that I guess that would lead me to my first question. What determines how many leads go on the head? I think that is by hospital too, and depending on who your doctor is, mm -hmm. um, because we generally put 25 on. Sometimes they'll put more on if the doctor can get the focus down a little better, which is, you know, as far as the physicians, that's what they are looking for. And then we just, basically, we're just the soldiers. We do as we're told if that we're <laughs> extra leads on. We've had, I know we had a surgical patient who had scalp electrodes on as well. So that happens once in a while too, so. I have had those, those are, those are a whole new experience. It's weird because they feel super heavy but also you can't feel them at the same time. I don't know how to describe that. 
it's like you can feel it, but since your brain has no pain receptors, you have no idea it's there. So you feel like you're moving a heavy shadow. I don't, it's really weird. It's a weird experience. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, we, I feel like we, um, I don't know, we give a little bit of extra attention to our surgical patients because we couldn't imagine being in their shoes. So we've brought food in, we bring movies in, we do anything that that patient wants will help them out because it's like, and everything's balled up right on top of their head too. And it was like, how, how do they sleep at night? How do they, how do they just turn their head? <laughs> and a it's not easy. A Jafar turban. From yeah. I called it my Jafar hat. It, it's like bundled up like Jafar. It was like this. I know nobody can see this, but it was like a foot off my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I had like a beehive on my head. <laughs> and it's already hard to to sleep in the EMU because you have to sleep on your back. There's beeping. There's people coming in and out. You know, it's a hospital. But then they pile a beehive on my head, and I'm like, um, I guess I'll just pass out after I have a seizure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like a stomach and side sleeper too. So laying there on my back, Me too. I'm like, okay. Yay. <laughs> so bad for stomach sleepers. <laughs> That's me too. I couldn't, and it's like. I push it. I, I'm like, I don't know if you guys encourage this. I guess this could be a question, but it's like, do you guys encourage us to try to make ourselves seize? Because there's me who I'm like, I'm gonna stay up at three in the morning. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm gonna stay up as late as I can. I'm gonna drink caffeine. I'm gonna watch flashing lights. I'm just gonna try to piss my brain off as much as possible right now. Yeah. Yeah, we get those patients that will just do it themselves, but then it depends on what epileptologist we have that week, depending on how brutal your week is going to be. <laughs> One of yeah. has been known to sleep deprive a patient every single night all week. So, Well, I, I did that to myself this past time because I was taken off of Trileptal, which gave me drug withdrawal. And so I was for four nights... I slept maybe two and a half hours each night and I was like I still wasn't having seizures and I was like kidding me like please I just want to go home Aww. I know and I love how you guys I'm sure you love this too how you have to deliver the news of oh we want to capture some more so let's reattach this one and they're like I thought I was going home and you're like no we're gonna keep it on a little longer <laughs> that's that's the favorite news. It's like, oh no. Yeah, and we always say, like, we're like, we don't make the decisions, the physician. We're just to support, you know. Don't blame us. And when a patient has a seizure, that I think is one of the hardest things because as techs, we don't know what the seizures are, but we know how to read the EEG. So we do know what it looks like when the brain starts to you know, get in synchrony with the neurons getting in synchrony. So sometimes it's unique because the confusion that comes after the seizures, the patient doesn't know where they're at or who they are or their name. So, you know, the nurses and us coordinately, we can be like, hey, it's okay. You're safe. You're in the hospital. You had a seizure. But most of the time, that's the physicians to give the good news, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? So they get to come in and get, deliver the happy results and then send their minions in to do the hard work. But especially on night shift with Leanne and I, you know, there's nobody there. 
Um, you know, of course the resident, but the resident is in charge of the entire hospital uh, overnight. So we, I mean, for me, especially the department was going through a lot and I was the only night shift person for a couple of years. And thankfully I have now Leanne and a couple other members who are very good um, and passionate and able to help out with night shift and that. But anyways, um, we have to really like the ball's in our court we have to say we have to make decisions um sometimes in the spontaneous of course not medication related we still have to follow the protocol but um like Leanne had said what we're able to say to the patient so that we don't get them too upset but also so that they feel safe um, in that post-dental confusion Or when they're aggressive, like I've gotten aggressive a few times coming out of a seizure and it's, I don't even remember it. I just, I've punched and kicked at people and then like I sleep for six hours and then they're like, like my mom goes with me every single time usually, but she's like, oh, you're swinging at them again. I was like, damn, I feel bad. <laughs> Not I again. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, it's happened to EMTs too. I'm like, <laughs> apparently I really don't want help, you know? <laughs> it's weird I guess that would you said you uh read the EEGs that was going to be one of our questions if you know how to like interpret that or like what do you I know you know every seizure is going to look different for everybody probably on there but are there specific things for like absent seizures that you look for or nocturnal seizures or the big ones I guess we can call them the tonic clonics like are they like special like waves and stuff like that that are affected Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the generalized tonic clonic, they are very obvious on the EEG. I mean, immediately it's pretty quick. Um, the more focal seizures can be harder to catch sometimes because they're starting, you know, left, right. Um, and the absence, yes, they are, they're pretty easy to tell as well. They have distinctive patterns. So I would say more of the generalized is easier to um, distinguish and, and then the focal seizures. They yeah, I had um, a nurse because I was, you know, there. I d- couldn't have any visitors when I was there in July. So I was talking to the nurses the entire time. And I was talking about tonoclonics. And she said that they generally aren't the type that they want you to have in the EMU just because they can't tell where they're coming from then because it's so obscured by the movement that they can't tell where it's starting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we feel bad um, for the people that just have generalized epilepsy Mm -hmm. because um, we feel like the options are a lot more limited than for people that do have the focal seizures. So um, it's almost like you just keep playing the game of what medication is going to work for you more and this and that, you know, versus some of the, the surgical routes that are available for the focals. So. Mm-hmm. And mine are focal that turn into generalized, which are, which is the fun game. So they're trying to stop the focal from turning into the full-blown earthquake. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always work. As you guys know, it doesn't happen. But like you said, people that only have generalized epilepsy as of today are kind of, for lack of a better term, screwed mm-hmm. right now until they find meds that work. They don't have other options. Right. Because for me, they have like a good idea of where it's coming from, but 
the MRI that they did, they don't think they can do um, surgery on it. So they want to do an SEEG to try and get more information on it. Because I was there and then they were like, oh, we still have, we got some information. We think it's still here, but we want to try and do the SEEG depending. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> and that one was more brutal than my brain surgery. To be honest, the SEEG took it out of me. I was, I was in there for 14 days. I was tired. Wow. It was, it was tiring. And it's like, um, I went into status and I guess that would be another thing. Can you guys tell when status goes on and on on the, the S or the EEG as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, um, you know, of course the brain waves they just look differently when you're nor- in your normal state versus your seizing state. And um, that seizing state just kind of never stops those seizing waves, electrical waves, if you want to say, um, they just don't stop. So uh, that's, that's super scary. Um, I had a 13 minute tonic clonic in the EMU five years ago. And so now I have emergency medication for my (laughs) complex partial because they're like, yeah, this is a problem. (laughs) I went into status. Is it Ativan? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did they, does that not help you right away? It does. Um, Because they gave me the, they had to give me two doses of the IV um, in the hospital. And now I have both a liquid and a pill form that I just carry with me in case it happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's like standard protocol. If anybody generalizes at all, even if it's yep. for three seconds, they have to get two milligrams of Ativan. Yeah. Cause I had um, this past time I had a tonic clonic as well. And my mom was actually on the phone with me as it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was able to tell me stuff that I didn't remember, but uh-huh. she was like, the seizure itself only lasted a minute. And she was like, I was surprised they still give you Ativan, but that explains it. Yeah, yeah, that could be maybe the difference there. Mm-hmm. Clinically, you were having the seizure. The clinical seizure was over, but subclinically, it was not over yet. Yeah. So, so well, what is the was, difference between subclinical and clinical? Because that was one of our questions. Because like both of us, we have constant subclinical activity. And I was like, well, how can you tell the difference between subclinical and like when it's turning into a full-blown seizure? Right. So the clinical, like when you go into the EMU, they'll video you and audio you as well, because whenever your body is making specific movements for whatever seizure it might be, you know, focal seizures have different uh, presentations physically than generalized tonic-clonic. So, um, and then the subclinical ones. So you might just get a sensation and still be able to talk you know, to the EEG tech, the nurses, your parents, your family, your friends, and you could still be having a seizure, that would be more subclinical. You know, I guess if you're having this sensation, that would be clinical. If you would not be having it, um, say the absence, that's kind of a subclinical, Amy, wouldn't you say? Because it's just staring. There's nothing physically that a doctor could look at you and say, yes, you're having a seizure unless you would have the EEG on your head, then they'd go, okay, okay. they are having an absence seizure. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the unique thing about EEG, but it also makes it more difficult for, you know, you as patients, because you can be telling your doctor, hey, I'm having all these symptoms, you know, and then it takes you 20 years to figure out that it's epilepsy because 
you've never had an EEG that's shown abnormal activity, even mm-hmm. though you've been having these personal symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I think and like, we have a friend that's only gotten um, normal EEGs or subclinical um, on her EEGs the whole time, but she's had massive grand mals mm-hmm. so, yeah. or TC. So it's like, you know, that, that doesn't rule out the fact that you're epileptic, but I mean, what other proof do you want? You know, <laughs> it's like the luck of the draw when they get an EEG or whatnot, because um, just within the last couple of months, we were finally able to help somebody get answers after, what was that? 15 years at least. Leanne? Yeah. About 15. I think it was or wow. more Swore up and down that she was having seizures. Um, but because she had a normal EEG. And that's the thing too. I think um, she only had one EEG done in those 15 years oh, wow. because it was normal. They were like, well, this is probably psych related. Um, mm-hmm. Finally went to a new doctor recently who believed her and um, the facility she went to didn't have an EMU. So that's why she was transferred to our facility. And um, we were finally able to capture a seizure for her and, as much as it stinks, like giving somebody that official diagnosis and somebody like that you're happy for. And she was very happy because um, she's like, I'm not crazy. That's what she well, that's and I how, have said. Mm-hmm, cause that's how it was for me. Like, cause some people get diagnosed and for them, it's like their life like ends pretty much at that moment. They're like, Oh my gosh. But for me, I knew something was off for so many years that it's like, I finally had an answer. And I was like, Oh my, like, cause they were worried when I first had my, my first Absalon seizure that my mom caught was 20 minutes and she took me to the um, emergency room and they were like, Oh, I don't know. It could be a stroke. So like I was <laughs> going into the neurologist, like, am I having strokes? Is this a tumor? Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And they thought mine were migraines and they actually were postictal headaches and they just weren't able to capture cause they were, um, they were generalized, but they were so clinical. So they would, they would never show up on an EEG. And then one day he sent me to Loma Linda out here and I did an extended overnight one. And that's when it was just like, bam, bam, bam. Like, and he was like, okay, we caught it. You know, that's what it is. But for me, it the first, takes a while. Yeah. The first EEG for me was actually pretty quick once I finally had that one seizure because the first EEG I had was only two hours and I had 10 seizures in two hours, like really short ones, but enough for them to be like, yep. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> and I know we've had the patients say too, um, you know, as kids, they'll diagnose ADHD or, you know, probably any other like psychological thing. And here they're being treated for something that, you know, it's not what they have. It's mm-hmm. not. So I think that's, and that makes me wonder sometimes it's like, so you're put on this other medication for this. Did that make it worse at that time? Did it, I wouldn't it, surprise me, you know, so, so that diagnosis can be very difficult. And I, I feel for, you know, people that just are looking for answers. And then it's like, yeah, like you said, Grace too. It's like, yay. Like I'm so happy <laughs> mm-hmm. now. Right. Out. And you too, Brie, it's like, I, it's just the that's brain. how it was. I was like, oh, well, there's a fixable, well, not curable, but a fixable problem, not just me. Like, why do I feel different than everyone my age? Why do I not want to be around people my age? 
you know, why am I constantly lazy type of thing? Now I'm like, oh, well, my brain's working extra overtime 24-7. Yeah, that's how it was for me pretty much too, because I was diagnosed senior year of high school. And it just progressively got worse. I had a fourth grade teacher nicknamed me Spacey Gracie, like as a joke. But now looking back, I'm like, uh. Rude. <laughs> really? But um, like junior year of high school, I would come home and I would just sleep. And I was like, I remember thinking like, do I have mono or something? Like, why am I so tired? Yeah, oh. same. It was junior year for me. Three days into junior year, I like came home and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And my mom's like, what do you mean you don't want to do school? And I was like, no, I don't, it's not that I don't want to do school. I don't want to deal with people. I just, something around it. I was like, I don't, I don't, uh, something's wrong. I don't want to be here. I didn't want to get my license, nothing like that. And like my brother, so I did independent study and it happened to be like conflict, like not conflicting, but overlapping hours with my brother. And he'd like see me get up and I just like dropped to the ground and he'd be like, what are you doing? Like at first, then he's like, uh, I think she's having a seizure. And my mom was like, no, that's not what seizures look like, Tyler. You know, like most of us think at first. And then he was right. My brother's uh, a doctor in his own mind, honestly. He's pretty good at it. But um, it was still like, we didn't know, like Grace said, because I think of flashing lights. I think of, you know, shaking before. And boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. Our patients. It's like what you see in Hollywood is just not what it truly is because um, not at all different. And there's a lot more to it than just the that shaking, you know, the- they over dramatize it and make it, it it's not not scary, but they make it way scarier than it is. It makes it like a possession movie is what they turn it into. Yeah, yeah. And that's a whole different category, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's a whole different category of movie. Yeah. <laughs> They're not possessed. <laughs> no, we did joke. I had a seizure. I was at work when I was doing a catering thing one time, and there were um, people dressed in Renaissance clothing. And Brie was like, how fitting that you were there back in, like, Renaissance time having a seizure. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, thankfully, you didn't time. wake up on a steak. Like, my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Back then, doesn't it? It's like those poor people. Like they had no idea. And it's like I understand (laughs) that it looks very creepy for those that didn't understand back then, and you know the religious times of that stuff. But it's like I'm sure you guys are still mind blown as EEG texts. Like, why don't people know about this? Because it's before biblical times that it's recorded. Mm -hmm. So it's like. You know, where, where did we go wrong here on that one? But they're dead. And I would be willing to say from the patients we see, and I know Amy and I just had this discussion last week, one in 26 people have epilepsy. I am not apt to believe that there's not more than one in 26, just because that's what we said. Because mm-hmm. we just don't know enough yet. And people don't talk about it. We get misdiagnosed all the time. You know, like there's not enough technology yet to diagnose it, which still blows my mind. We're still working on that. But I mean, I guarantee there's a lot more people, especially in countries that don't have the um, medical technology that we do in the United States. Guarantee there's a lot more. Yeah. So do you guys do anything for like ambulatory EEGs or are you all in hospital? monitoring we do ambulatories too yeah yeah um so and 
for at our facility, EMU is kind of a little bit, I don't want to say separated, but there's just the um, five of us that stay in the EMU. But then we do have, I think it's six or seven, right, Leanne, that are in what we call clinic. Um, so they, they are the ones that do like the 730 to 4. Um, so that some are in the hospital because they're the ones that put on the patients in the hospital, but then um, they're split up into the clinic and do the ambulatories or, you know, the 30 minute outpatients. Um, so yeah, uh, EMU, we are responsible. Well, the main one's responsible. Everybody is actually, but EMU is kind of the sole responsible person to review those studies then. Um, and then send that information to the doctors if we have time and whatnot. Um, and those are very interesting as well because yeah, you know, those are strange. <laughs> yeah, and these people are on their medications. Um, if you know there's suspe- suspicion of epilepsy there, um, and sometimes they they're generalizing and seizing multiple times within a 24 to 48 hour time frame too. And it's like, okay, we see them going into the EMU within a month, typically of uh, that ambulatory study because they're obviously not well controlled on their medications and we need to get answers for them. Um, Because as you know, for ambulatories, you can't see the clinical side of things. You can only see the EG side. So the doctors want to see the clinical side and they want us to go in there and be able to assess them and see, you know, if what other answers we can possibly find to help treat them and hopefully become more well controlled. So ambulatory are for people that they suspect have epilepsy but aren't sure yet? It can be for both. Yeah. Um, okay. So they, I think the process, like as far as insurance is concerned, Mm-hmm. that they have to come in to get a regular routine EEG, be it 30 minutes to an hour at our facility, have an ambulatory that's done anywhere from 24 to 72 hours, and then the next step would be the EMU. And then there are patients that once a year will still get the ambulatory um, that are already diagnosed with epilepsy. So it's more just a follow-up for the doctors to see because they already have the proof that they indeed clinically have and on EEG have epilepsy. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never had, that's one of the ones I haven't done yet. I haven't had so, one either. Okay. Yeah, for, um, for me, it was the two hour sleep study one. And then I switched neurologists and went to Johns Hopkins. And my, neurolo- my pediatric neurologist there was head of neurology. So he was kind of able to slip me into the EMU. Mm-hmm. And um, the doctor that I have now is actually the um, administrator of the EMU. So she kind of was like, oh, we want you to come in again. So I think she said, we want you to come in. They were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you, you girls had abnormal routine EEGs, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think there you could skip the ambulatory if they're like, oh, okay. oh yeah, these girls, we need them in here now, you know, so. And depending uh, on insurances too, because there's some okay. insurances that require that ambulatory and Oh, okay. We don't understand it, but you know, <laughs> you don't need insurance is weird. <laughs> insurance, <laughs> insurance is annoying. It's a whole other okay. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, what was I going to say? I think I would be a little bit anxious to take the EEG home. I don't know why. Be like, I'm going to break it. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh my God, I'm going to have a seizure and I'm not in a hospital bed. 
type of thing, which is, I, I tell people, they're like, I don't want to be in there and have a seizure. And I'm like, that's the best place to have a seizure because your doctor's right down the street, like mm -hmm. literally, you know, and they, they're freaked out about that. They're, they're like, I wish I could just... And text yeah. you what to do if you go into a seizure they'll be able to help you it's better than and they see alone. the whole thing and they see the clinical way. side like you said and like people i don't know i mean i know it's boring you're flat on your back for at least a week usually but it gets answers yeah yeah and that's what we that's exactly what we say to some of our patients who are a little bit more restless or hesitant of it all and it's like you don't if you are you know concerned about this if you think you have seizures or if they're not controlled you know this is the place you want to be we want to get those answers for you um mm -hmm. move forward from here and most of the time i would say that little pep talk works you know from the doctors nurses us whoever it may be but you know, others they just i think it just freaks them out to just being mm -hmm. in general so it's um We've had some that after 24 hours, you know, no, no, we can't do this anymore. We got to go. I had a panic attack on day seven this time because I was all alone and had been, I was supposed to be in for five days. And at that point it had been a week and I still hadn't had any seizures. I had probably within that week, 20 total hours of sleep. I'd gone through drug withdrawal. It was like one thing on top of another. I had a migraine for three days and was like throwing up. It was awful. And it was like one thing on top of another. And I had a panic attack. And then about an hour after my panic attack ended, I had my grandma. And I was like, oh, I needed to cry it out. <laughs> there we go. I know. They're, they're exhausting. But, you know, it's I, I definitely wanted to go home after my two, three week one. I was like, I want my cat. I want my dog. I miss my bed, you know. But, like, if I'm going to be taken place or care of in a place, I'd rather be I'm lucky enough to go to UCLA she's lucky she has John Hop Johns Hopkins so it's like you know it's not some little like you know minute clinic down the road they they know what they're doing so mm -hmm. yeah yeah especially with because I was in during um everything going on right now too so I couldn't have any visitors which was really weird because last time I was there I was at pediatric so I couldn't be alone mm -hmm. and this time I couldn't have any visitors with me so that was really weird but I got to know the, um, the nurses pretty well. Um, I remember for a night shift, I remember I really had to pee one night. And it was one of the nights that I was like not sleeping and I was laying there and I'm like, I don't want to bother anyone, but I really have to pee. And like, finally I waited like as long as I could and I hit the button and the guy comes in and he's like, I'm so bored. He's like, if you have to pee, just hit the button. Please give me something to do. And I was like, sorry. 99.9% .9 of the time that is true like please mm -hmm. don't ever to anybody and everybody like hit that call bell button because that is what we're there for and um most of the time we we might not you know we're just not as busy either so I spent, yeah he was like night shift a lot of it is just you know staring at the screen there's not much else going on he's like so please if you need to go to the bathroom hit the button if you need something hit the button and I will bring it to you <laughs> give me something to do I, I realized how bored they were the last time I was in there because at night I'd like be trying to get comfortable and I'd be like throwing myself around with a thing on my head and they'd be like are you okay and I'm like yeah they're like okay I'm like yeah they're bored they're watching everything I do right now <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oops. 
<laughs> like that means they're like watching all my faces I make when I'm like mm, I can't move and stuff like that probably <laughs> laughing at me but oh well <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is I, and I'm like the popcorn girl so that they're always it <laughs> I make a mess I'm a popcorn person so I'm like I watch my EMU movies with my <laughs> they're my celebrities and I'm eating my popcorn <laughs> so. I can only imagine some of the stuff you guys see on there because about day three I forget I'm on camera <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah yeah it's very interesting what uh people do <laughs> like to keep I, know, I can imagine especially when you're like you, you can't do anything else like I was sitting there and I think at one point I got so bored that I was literally doing this and I'm like they're probably looking at me like what is she doing and like, there was a point I was just like slapping my stomach I'm like oh this makes a song <laughs> like I don't know MRIs are worse with visitors even the visitors sometimes the things that you see them do and it's like <laughs> And you like, try oh. to get them off the camera, but they're so close to the patient that they still need to be on the camera. And you're like, ah, it's, uh, yeah, we have, we have some interesting stories for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm um, sure my mom's in one, one of those stories because she, like, she's passed out on a couch for, like, three days. And I'm sitting up, like, <laughs> staring at her. I'm like, <laughs> she's out cold. <laughs> We're like, oh, well, their, their help has gone down. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> They're fending for themselves. <laughs> and it's to the, I'm sure you see a lot of arguments too, because after like five days, I was like, mom, go home. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, for me, it was like all, um, it was all FaceTime calls. So I'm sure people heard a lot of like my mom dropping things and being like, I'm that one. I was like, what did you do? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> phone conversations. And it's like. <laughs> or are those of us that have to have conversations with our pets <laughs> that was me <laughs> we typically keep the audio off um mm. we only really listen to it <laughs> there are this like few occasions where um you know because sometimes probably like um grace like if they clinically you're doing something before we can see the eeg mm -hmm this one patient, um, it was noises. So we had to turn the audio on for that patient. Um, so we can maybe try and get in there a little bit sooner than what the EEG is telling us. Um, but typically we don't turn that audio on because we try and give as much privacy as we possibly yeah. can. <laughs> and um, I don't think- We don't want to hear you, but you can pee on camera. <laughs> <laughs> when I was there they closed the door they like had it cracked this much when I had to pee and I was like thank you yeah oh man or I they, got um, the bottle I don't want to say bad experience but we just had an eye-opening experience with that so right now we are uh our nursing staff is standing right beside you pretty much um because oh, I can only imagine try to give that privacy but um somebody just generalized um they were changing in the shower oh no oh no and uh the eeg wasn't showing anything leading up to this moment and, uh, it just kind of happened it just i and the nurse was standing right there but um so i ran out into the hall and i said get in there get in there and uh i mean the patient was safe the patient was okay because the nurse was standing there but yeah now, like they would stand right outside the bathroom door and then they would turn on the screen so they could watch my EEG. Yeah. I was like, that was cool. And I came out and I saw like a little blip and I was like, what's that? And she's like, oh, that's some, like subclinical. I'm not worrying about it until it turns into something. 
more. So that's why I learned the subclinical thing. I was like, oh, cool. Like my brain is just always like that. Just, like, never <laughs> and really mine is anything. at UCLA, they have like a computer slash TV monitor just behind me on all the time. And once I figured that out, because I was like playing on my phone, I saw it. And I was like, I went like this. And then I saw my EEG changed. I was like, oh, if I make different faces, it changes. <laughs> and my doctor was like, don't do that all day. He's like, you can right now, but don't do it all day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like because they're gonna think your face is seizing i was like fair enough <laughs> it's like i got you he was like just she's like yeah. don't do that too much we turn our monitors off in the peak because then they have to like, turn around and the eyes go up because they're looking at it so it's all whoa just i would do that i would do the sneaky like if i saw that it was up you know i'd take my phone out and i'd like zoom in and watch it through my phone screen so i wouldn't have to turn around but it's like, cool i can see what my <laughs> I say like, I don't know what this means, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's like if I do certain things, if I talk louder or quieter, it changes too. I'm like, this is cool. Well, <laughs> I clench my jaw in my sleep, and they were saying jaw clenching is one of the worst because it makes everything. And I, so, like the entire time when I was awake, like starting to fall asleep, I'd like try and put my tongue between my teeth so that I wouldn't clench my jaw and make it bad. I was like, I clench my jaw. I'm not gonna clench my jaw. <laughs> I also clench my jaw um, during a seizure, too, so I'm sure they love it. They're like, seizure? No, damn you. You know, they're like, stop! <laughs> and it's like, oh, what's another thing? Like you said, when they turn the audio on, I gurgle a lot before mine, so that's, like, something they capture, and they know that's a, a sign that I'm for sure having a seizure, not just, like, staring off in a space or bored, because I tend to stare for, like, 20 minutes at a time. They're like, hello? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm good. No, you're good. <laughs> drive my yeah, doctor's for, um for me they have like i think they have it in most emus the seizure button that you press when you feel off mm -hmm. so at hopkins i think they only turn the audio on when you do that if you don't have like you know audio triggered seizures or anything mm -hmm. but i got my print out of like second by second what i did <laughs> in the hospital <laughs> this makes brie laugh um you know <laughs> i texted her but I had never screamed during a seizure before. And I'm like reading and reading and it just goes patient screams. And I started laughing out loud. And my mom, my mom was right there. She's like, what? And I was like, I screamed. And she goes, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Cause she had been on the phone. She was oh. like, I blocked that. And I was like, did I sound like, like, tell me what I sounded like. Was I like a pterodactyl? Like, <laughs> cause I was like partially awake for that um, tonic clonic. So I remember bits and pieces. Like I thought I was making a gurgling noise, but apparently it was, it was, horrible to be half awake for but like part of me remembers that and it was like oh I guess I remember that and like looking back through I'm like oh, I remember that now too like it's weird how your brain blocks it and then you read it and it's like oh yeah you did that I never am aware of mine just when I lose my my bladder I wake up and I'm like oh or I'm like beat up like I got in a street fight when I don't leave my house so I know that's not the case so you know <laughs> like I definitely know it was a seizure that fought me so <laughs> No, I don't have any other real tell. I don't get R's either. I don't get any of that fun stuff. I have simple partials, which are R's for some people, but for me, it's just the seizure, which is the reason I went into the EMU this last time, and she wanted to get more data on those because they were super short. Mm -hmm. And my doctor's like, well, I want to see, you know, what exactly is happening. And she came to the conclusion, she's like, unless you lose awareness, I'm not worried about them at this point because my vision would go off or something. And she's like, if, as long as you're aware, I'm okay. So I've only had one seizure since leaving the hospital that she's worried about now. I'm like, it's been a month and I've only had one. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 
And it's like, I don't know if you guys know about the RNS, like, and its relation to, like, the EEG. I asked my doctor, and she kind of gave me the, oh, we'll see, answer, as most doctors often do. Yeah. But um, do you know if the RNS requires you to ever get an EEG again? Because it is constantly an EEG, essentially. We actually uh, had a patient that, we they're a celebrity in the EMU, if you will, so... <laughs> I know that feeling, you know, several <laughs> times. Um, and they recently just had, uh, an ambulatory EEG done. Um, and I believe this patient's had, they have been through a lot. So, you know, if, if the seizures come back and they reoccur as they didn't, they definitely will, you know, at least at our facility, they have move forward with giving the routine and the ambulatory again. And I foresee another EMU stay. Mm -hmm. so, um, so it just depends on, you know, how you're feeling, how the RNS has been going for you. And I know I've looked in charts from patients that have had the RNS as well, because we don't really know how to, I'm so interested. I would love to see what the RNS EEG looks like. Um, because it's weird. <laughs> It's like two leads or two, three leads. I have three personally. Okay. So then you have the three EEG, um, you know, the three electrical activities going on. Um, mm -hmm. To me, it's so interesting to see how many seizures you're actually having are way more than you could have ever captured in the EMU. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm thankful for because, well, also not thankful for, because if I ever wanted to drive again, I'm, you know what, out of luck because they catch all the tiny little blurps and my doctor would be like, nope, but I have no wants to drive. So at this point, it's kind of like, well, my doctor gets to see every single little thing that goes on in my brain and I get to live my life normally. So I send it to her once a week and I go see her on uh, Thursday actually to go over it. And we go over it three times, uh, every three months. So four times a year. Um, mine's not even turned on yet. Mine is still just a recording. Uh, so mine doesn't have the pulsing, doesn't have the stimulation yet. Because just like an EMU, they want more activity to capture before they want to turn it on. And mm -hmm. I'm like, so you put something in my brain to stop seizures to make me seize to stop seizures. Okay. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay. But in the end, it'll be worth it. It's just right now it's in the healing process. So my brain's basically like healing and in shock from the surgery. Then they'll start up again, probably over time. But because unfortunately, um, Leanne wasn't there yet when the um, RNS vendor came and spoke with us and showed us like, you know, just more in depth of like the doctor side of things, which is so interesting. And I think that's something that we need to do again, because um, it does give a better understanding to us. And then when the patients ask us questions and stuff, because, um, and then just seeing the data too from, you know, so kind of like Bree right now where you're at, you're pretty much at the very beginning. Um, yeah versus the patients that we've now had for at least say five years with it. And just the quality of life that has just gotten better and better with those patients, because I guess, um, unfortunately the RNS is not a very super quick exact treatment. If you want to say it has to build up over time to give, you know, the, the best mm -hmm. you can possibly give. And, um, but it's so fascinating and, um, I didn't think it was a real thing because I knew about the VNS and I was very like, oh, I don't want them to cut my throat. That was that one didn't sit well with me. I don't know why. 
something i was like uh-uh. but when they offered the rns was like what's that and they're like it's basically an eeg with like you don't feel it and i was like sign me up you know i'm down and it's it's just a cut out of my brain it's in a shelf and i can't feel it at all yeah. it's weird that's awesome. I can't feel it at all. And people are like, how? I'm like, because your brain has no pain receptors, but I can't feel it. So the, uh, the VNS you can feel. RNS, nope. Yeah, because how we try and explain it to the, like a pacemaker for a heart. Mm-hmm. It's that I was told. Yeah, it's the best way that for anybody to really understand it because it is so new. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think our facility started using that about five years ago. I think it was five or six years ago, just a year or two before I started working, you know, in that department. I've been at that facility for 11 years total now, but um, only in the department for four. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, and I hope it's something that we can keep helping and even improving because of course everything, you know, can be improved upon. So I think that's mm-hmm. something and I hope that they continue. For me, it's more so the peace of mind I have right now that that's helped improve stuff. Like it's not working, but it's basically like I'm in an EMU 24-7 if I have a seizure without having to be strapped to a bed. I mean, granted, I sit at my bed all the time anyway, but, you know, <laughs> I can get up if I want to. Mm-hmm. So, now, you know. Are you going to turn it on if for the data? <laughs> I, um, she wants to capture some more activity because she wants to be able to program it accordingly. Um, and then once that is, then it's turned on. So I see her Thursday. So I'll see if I've had any fun stuff that I haven't felt type of thing or what she feels about it. But basically right now she's just like, oh, we're just monitoring you until you have the fun stuff happen. And I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. All they have to do is flip a switch and it's on. I don't have to go back under the knife or anything until they replace it. It just turned it on. I'm like, all right. Because you know for, is it 10, year, 10 years? I want to say they told me I should get it replaced within seven to eight is what they try to, like, they try to, you know, gauge. But I'm like, does mine even need to be replaced since it hasn't been on? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was not a big deal of a surgery. Honestly, not a big deal. Were you in one day? I always wonder that too, because mm-hmm. we don't see the patients with the RNSs. We see I was in one day. I went in on the 17th. They kept me that night. They kept me one more day to make sure I wasn't going to have seizures. And then they sent me home on the 19th. Mm-hmm. Went home. And then I went to the Caribbean a month later. It was no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> like it was such, the anesthesia kicked my butt more than anything. Anesthesia made me very sick. Um, uh-huh surgery is no big deal seeg is worse i will say hands down than the rns itself yeah Mm -hmm. seeg wiped me out that was that was brutal that's the most brutal thing i think you'll experience in the emu i could be wrong but that one is how long how long when did you feel back to say your normal self after the surgical eeg i always wonder Um, that mine was probably i would say maybe like through only three months ago, I just felt really laggy and tired. I was, you can ask Grace, I was sleeping a ton. Mm-hmm. I was not eating some days. I would constantly wake up with a migraine and vomit. Um, the migraines increased after the surgery. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, I almost would rather seize because that's a lot quicker <laughs> but than a migraine. But um, 
then all of a sudden it was just kind of like, all right, it, I think it wore off because I had a horrible reaction to anesthesia from what my anesthesiologist told me. He's like, this is one of the most brutal reactions I've seen. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> you know? Well, like, like I'm really sensitive because I had my wisdom teeth taken out in February and I was under for 25 minutes and I was sick for five days from the anesthesia. So I'm like, if I'm under for hours. Oh my God. I, I want to say the RNA, I can't remember how long the SEEG took, but I only had 13 put in. I had six on, or six on the left, seven on the right. They were trying to determine if it was bilateral or not, which it is, they found out. But um, that was, that surgery felt like it took forever. My RNS, I was just kind of like there, then woke up, I was like, hi. You like came to right after SEEG, I was done. I was out. I, I mean, brutal. at our facility, we get to go down um during the surgery so you know we obviously see exactly what's going on and i can understand why because i could not i just couldn't imagine and then you guys have to go down to ct and make sure everything's good to go and i mean you do they really give you a run for your money and before that you go through the psych evaluation then the meg then the eeg then it's like oh my gosh i'm glad they put you through all those steps because it's not like a walk in the park where it's like right. oh i'm gonna go pick up a brain surgery you know it's like no it took i would say about a year and a half before i was approved for it and then it was i had my seeg in may then i got the rns in september wow so it was pretty they moved me pretty quickly but i had been waiting like you said that one patient that had 15 years um about 11 before they figured out all the seizure types so far and how to treat it so it takes a while yeah you're still on all your regular medication that you were on Mm -hmm. bs as well correct Mm -hmm. yeah they a lot of people i think you guys can probably back up this misconception they think once you go down the surgery route that you're going to be med free. And that's usually not the case. Right. Yeah. Even with lobectomies, hemispherectomy is like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, unfortunately it's, it's, you might be lucky, but probably not. Right. Right. Yeah. So they just started me on a brand new medication um, after my EEG stay. Cause she mentioned doing an SEEG and she said, before we do that, I want to try this new medication. And I'm on a medication that just came out in November. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never heard of it. What's it? What's the name? I have no idea how to pronounce it. X-co- it's X-C-O-P-R-I, X-Copri, Zacopri, hmm. something. It's new, but it, I mean, it seems to be working so far, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, she used to call me like every day and like she'd have like multiple seizures on the phone and like hasn't really happened in a while the one that i had i was on the phone with you because she has my mom's contact information and i was like i have to pee if you hear me fall call my mom and <laughs> took her to the bathroom with me but i was fine i ended up just falling asleep after that but yeah I need say, are you guys for that are you guys kind of desensitized to seizures now i know they're scary but like some people like they're like oh my god you know and it's like <laughs> I mean, I know I personally am not, um, especially the generalized tonoclonics. They still get me every time. And until I know that the patient is safe, it's, I still have that. I mean, I guess you would more so call it adrenaline now at this point, but, um, I like for us and the nursing staff, I, I love our nursing staff. They are incredible. Um, our biggest goal is to make sure that that patient is safe 
breathing, you know, and if they need the medications or whatnot. Um, and then this is well, how you said about being um, aggressive <laughs> post-ictally, that is one of the yes. first questions we now ask our patients, especially the males, of course. Um, yes. They, if they have a history of generalizing, um, do you get feisty or aggressive afterwards? Because we need to know, because we only have one, I think one male nurse on our floor. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, there's a bunch of, females <laughs> trying to fight yeah and it's you know it, it can it can be scary in that aspect of things um but again night shift is amazing and when they hear the the button the patient event button you know that alarm is different everyone knows what that sound is um and then when they hear because most of the time if they're aggressive uh they're also screaming in confusion you know mm-hmm. Um, and people hear that they'll start running too to see what's going on and make sure everyone's safe so um yeah that's uh I think that's the biggest thing for me is are they going to be aggressive or not and it's nice to know ahead of time we have had patients that won't tell us that they are um and we don't hold it against them we I mean we don't hold it at all because you have no idea what you're doing you know as the patient you don't but we just need to ensure the safety for the patient and for the staff um so other than that i feel it's just interesting to me i love it it's because every single person is different mm-hmm. say the both of you had the exact same diagnosis you you're still very different and that's what it's just so fun for me at least yeah that's why we we do it right now because it's like even from just talking to people it's like whoa that's a thing whoa that's a thing even though that's like like she and I both have drug resistant epilepsy but I guarantee complex partials we both have um absence but like they're completely different like my she has the occasional grand mal so do I but guarantee we wouldn't look the same if we had them at the same time yep Right. Well, and like my complex partial, I usually say a bunch of stuff that makes zero sense. And like, I don't know what yours look like, but like I've told my mom that my favorite potato chips are baptized ones. And she was like, okay, you're in a seizure. In, in, the, in the EMU last time, my, my either I, EMU tech or my doctor was asking me who the president was, you know, what day it was, what my name was, the usual stuff. And I was like, oh, my people would know. Ask my people completely out of it and my doctor's like <laughs> laughing he's like telling my mom you should record this he's like this is one of the funniest postictal states i've ever seen he's like i don't mean that disrespectfully but i asked him i was like don't you see some funny stuff in there because the stuff that comes out of your mouth you're like oh you think you're jesus today okay you know like i know someone who said that they told their they had um a seizure in school one time and told their principal that they loved spanish men <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh my gosh it's like is this a freudian slip or like are you just a completely different person like what's going on here but it's funny i've, I've said some funniest stuff i i'll text my boyfriend in the middle of the night and tell him the stupidest stuff like it'll be like licorice is red and he's like congrats you know like good job <laughs> it you is know? good job <laughs> he's like proud of you honey and i'm like did it's it. funny though because you have moments like that and then I remember one of the first things when I came out of my grandma this most recent time the doctor was asking well what meds I usually take and I'm like 
how would I know? I don't know what I'm saying. And I remember like, cause I, I think I guessed, like, I don't even really remember what I said, but later someone came in and I was like, I'm sorry if I told you the wrong medication, but I had no clue what I was saying. My favorite is when they ask what date it is and I have to go around their head and be like 17th. Like you, you think I really know I've been in the EMU for a week and a half. I don't know. <laughs> well, my doctor does. I have an issue keeping up with what the date is so <laughs> well and my doctor has the you know name three things and it was funny because every day she'd come in and she'd be like she because she needs to remember them too so she'd be like i'm trying to find three new things and she'd like look around the room and be like sock uh <laughs> like pick things that she could see too well that's oh my gosh um the one doctor when i was um training she said you want to try and do like a number a color and a thing mm-hmm. so- my three words are seven purple lilies and then my backup um for the more of like the partial seizures are six yellow roses and that's kind of something i passed on to leanne and stuff because um like you said how are you going to remember i expect somebody who just had a seizure to remember the three words and i'm assessing them and i don't remember that yeah <laughs> so we tried to have like the same ones now granted there was a patient she was having multiple partial seizures so I had to keep then I really had to keep coming up with new ones like three blue whales and like 10 jumping cows my words weren't even making sense to me anymore but I had to keep assessing this patient because she kept going in and out of like the consciousness if you want to say so mm-hmm. we I just had to keep throwing new ones at her <laughs> it started to get a hot mess <laughs> That was like me, like, um, they'd come in after when I was having my SEEG at like, I don't know, like two or four in the morning. It was some unfortunate time. I can tell you that right now. I like my, one of my uh, neurosurgeons would come in. He was one of the younger ones. One of the, you know, the minions essentially had to come in and like do his, the cognitive test. And like, he was having me like hold my arms up and, you know, do that whole like nose finger to nose thing. And like, it was to the point where he kept waking me up almost at the same time. I'd wake up before he came in and I'd sit up and like have my arms like held straight out for him. I was like, ready, let's go. So I can go back to sleep. And so he had to like, he had to change it up on me. I was like, damn, I almost did it where I could just like fly through it and go back to bed. But you're like, no, no, no lady, let's go. It's more changing on you. I was like, oh, all right. Well, that's the neurosurgery, um, as you say, minions, like they come <laughs> so early it's like between four or five in the morning sometimes though our patients had seizures overnight um and as you know sometimes you remember if you have them sometimes you don't Mm -hmm. the patient did you have any seizures overnight i there was a few times and the patient would say no and they walk out and they walk right by me some of them are trained that they need to ask us if there were seizures (laughs) and patient's word for it and they had you know two seizures overnight but oh my gosh okay I had after my grandma I had a six not six minute it was a couple like minute I forget exactly it wasn't long enough that I needed emergency meds but I had an absence seizure and like when my doctor came in to brief the next day you know she told me I had that one I had no idea so if someone had asked me like I wouldn't be able to I'd be able to tell you that I had a grandma because I was partially awake for that one Mm-hmm. and like I the after effects I felt but the absence I had no clue right and it was tough when I was doing the surgical EEG because I felt like crap the whole time and it was like the normal like postictal crap that you feel like was pretty similar so I didn't know and I was just so out of it I didn't even know that I lost my bladder I was just like huh, it's warm kind of I guess but like 
I really didn't know. And like my mom was there, thankfully, because she had to like tell them I had seizures and like, you know, then I put a, ch a chunk out of my tongue. So I knew I had a seizure. And like, I thankfully get a lot of like physical tells. But like you said, if I didn't, I don't know. Like, I you don't know. really, I don't get the physical tells as much. I'll get a headache every once in a yeah. while. But for the most part, I rely on other people to tell me if I had mm -hmm. them. Or they tell me what your seizure looks like. You tell me what my seizure <laughs> looks like. <laughs> I don't know. know. <laughs> that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. And, that's, and I actually asked my doctor during the last EEG, um, the SEEG, I was like, can I see one of my seizures? And he was kind of like horrified that I asked that. He was like, uh, you want to see one? I was like, yeah. I was like, y'all keep asking what it looks like. Let me tell you, you know? <laughs> and so he was like, I, I've made a mistake, essentially. <laughs> like, so he was like, okay. And then so he showed me like an absence seizure before, you know, it got really violent and turned into a grand mall. And like, he let it go for about 10 seconds. He's like, that's it. And I'm like, well, you didn't even let anything happen. So thank you. But he's uh, like, no, that's too traumatizing. I was like, all right. I, I always tell my patients because they ask and I said, this is your medical record. If you really feel that you want to, you go through the proper channels and ask your doctor. Because I think I, yeah. some people, maybe your family's videoed you or your friends or whatnot, you know, some patients and some of them are like, I never want to see that again. You know, like that's terrible. That's most of the time. I think that's how people feel. Um, and like you were asking earlier, like Amy said, it's it's so interesting, but every time it's an emotional connection because as, as a tech, we feel like, you know, we're there to assist you and help you in any way that we can and can't imagine. You know, I know the first couple times for me was I was crying and the patient was still postictally confused um, and they were just sleeping. And it's just, um, you know, to, to, to see you in that state uh, you know, it's, it can be difficult, but it feels so good to know that we're helping you, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine what it would be like if you would watch yourself do that, how that would feel as a patient. Do well, I know like when I was on the phone with my mom during this one, cause she was there for my 13 minute a couple of years ago and just on the phone with me for this one. And she's like, I'd rather be there and see it than just hear it. She was like, cause just hearing it was awful. Oh, she was like, I really didn't have any clue what was going I mean the nurses you know they knew I was on the phone with her so they were talking with her and telling her what they were doing but at the same time she's like but I wasn't there and it was like she could hear everything but it was like you know she couldn't <laughs> do anything yeah yeah Especially as a mom she's probably like you know she's your she's your number one nurse all your life yeah she's you know, so. Well, I had called her because I had a panic attack and I was like, mom, ah, and like she stayed on the phone with me and um, I had moved from the bed to a chair because I was like, I need to get out of this bed. This bed is so confining. Like I just need to move. And that's when my panic attack started to get better. But it was like right before rounds. And I was like, I guess I should move back to the bed. And so I like called the nurse and then probably five minutes later, I had that grand mall and I was like, I'm glad I listened to my body and moved back to the bed because having that in that chair would have been mm -hmm. not good. Mm -hmm. I've had my brother and my mom are the ones that have seen the brunt of them. My brother's seen the massive ones where I cracked my face on the cement, but and lost five teeth. But my mom has seen a good chunk of them. So it's been I can't imagine in their their point of view how it is because they want to help but they can't and for but. us it's more like we don't really remember it for them 
for us it happened and it's over but for them it's like they remember it and they yeah you know we're in this like we don't really I don't want to speak for you but like in my mind at the time I don't really know what's going on like I don't know that I'm having a seizure I don't know this is happening so for me it's kind of like I wake up later and it's like oh I had a seizure and it is what it is but for the people who see it it's like oh my god (laughs) <laughs> basically basically I wake up I'm like oh well I should change my pants and my underwear real quick wipe off for a second and then going back to bed that's how it is for me I'm just like okay whatever you know gonna sleep it off type of thing so I don't have another one that's how I look at it I, the first few times I was horrified I will have to say that but after I'm just kind of like oh well more sleep and I'm not gonna lie I'm sorry to admit this post user sleep is the best I've never slept better in my life you it's like whoo you get all the sleep because you're just drained well especially after getting no sleep no sleep to like straight up REM. (laughs) well that's what it was because when I was in the hot when I was getting no sleep this time the one doctor was telling me like I would sleep in like 10 minute increments and they were like you would go from like awake to REM awake to REM awake to like it was like when I was asleep it was deep sleep and like so when I finally got to sleep after this one seizure the seizure happened at like I don't know um 11 I want to say and I like passed out after that and I woke up at four and then at that night it was 10 and I was like out again. I was like, all right, I can sleep again. <laughs> that was me. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's not like I want to have a seizure, but damn, I feel like I need to catch up on sleep soon. You know, it's like, I sleep, I sleep hard. It's like you go from like wired to, oh my God, I'm going to have a seizure to basically I just drank myself to almost death and then passed out now that's what it feels like I don't drink I haven't but it's almost like drunk hangover just passed out unconsciously for me um that's kind of what it is especially when I have to take my Ativan because that knocks me out like I have when I take usually with seizure it's like one to two days and I'm back to normal after that when Mm -hmm. I have um to take Ativan it can be up to a week where I'm just sluggish and exhausted because that wipes the same I used to take out of it every day because I have nocturnal seizures for about 95% of the time. And um, I used to take that because my neurologist figured that would help me sleep through the night because mine are the ones where they usually hit about two, three in the morning, like when you're transitioning sleep cycles type of thing. And that's when he would give me that. So I just pass out through it. Didn't quite work, but it's okay. <laughs> we, we tried. You tried. Gold star. We tried. Yeah, we tried. <gasps> I just think it's interesting, like, because we don't know the EMU side beyond having the lead stuck to our head. So I'm glad you guys. I'm sitting in the bed trying to figure out how to, you know, take our bed sores. That um, I was stuck laying because it was in the middle of July. It was so hot. And I was wearing shorts and a button up tank top. But I was like, you know, they put the pee pads down. I don't lose my bladder, but I was sitting in my sweat for days. And I was like, this is awful this is awful. This is all like they'd change my yeah. sheets, but I would, cause with the drug withdrawal, I would sweat so much that I would go yep. like the next day it would be wet again. And I kind of wanted to be like, can we move this pee pad? Like I don't pee myself. I don't want, <laughs> I kick mine out my own sweat anymore. Even though I do lose my bladder in my sleep, I kick them out from underneath me and move them to the edge of my bed. Apparently I don't want them. So <laughs> <You're> like, no, <laughs> I'm like, nah, I don't want them. <laughs> 
But I feel bad for you guys because I was telling Brie, I was like, I smelled so bad after that week. I was because I was just sitting in sweat and couldn't do anything. I was like, these poor people have to come in and be like, what did I just walk into? What is happening in here? I know they like come in. They're like, thank God we have to wear masks right now, so I have to smell you people. Oh my God. <laughs> So I go home and it's like I have like dreads and they're greasy and like oh my god it's so gross and you guys try they're like like do you want to brush your teeth and I'm like please so I can feel like kind of a human <laughs> yeah <Just> like <laughs> grab the deodorant so I can fake that I smell okay yeah like every time I went to the bathroom I'd put deodorant on and I was so bored because I had nothing to do that I was just drinking water. So I peed more than I like ever. It was very weird for me because I never pee that much. And every two hours I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. Like just it got to the point I didn't care I was bothering anymore. I was like, um but almost every time I peed, I put deodorant on because I'd get up and I'd be like, Oh my god. Like, <laughs> I was like, if I, like this. If I can smell me, everyone else must be able to smell me. Oh God. <laughs> I was like joking with my doctor. I'm like, thank God you're only recording like brain waves and movement, not smell. Like because, <laughs> so gross. The best thing I did was take um like face wash wipes with me, so I could do like not where the leads are here, but like the rest of my face and my underarms. And I was like, okay, I I did something. There we go. <laughs> I attempted. You know, and every time they come in or whatever. That they, I think, that, do they, I don't know if they provide them at your facility, but they're like mm-hmm. those, like a burn. Shower wipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yeah. much what I had that I took with me. It doesn't, it still doesn't help. It doesn't, no, it doesn't do much. I was no. like, I still smell bad. We tried. It, it leaves, <laughs> I tried, it leaves but... a weird, weird film on your skin too. Oh. It's a little, it's a little weird, but it's like, so it's like greasy clean. It's weird. <laughs> but it, it, they're good for after a seizure at home like they let me take them home they're like well these are yours we can't reuse them essentially and I was like oh cool so if I have a seizure I just wipe them down and go back to bed I don't even have to get in the shower now yeah. so I'm like that's a cool and if you warm them up they're supposed to be like a warm bath I'm, I'm like I'm too lazy for that I don't care <laughs> I'm not going down to the microwave to do that no. me and post-seizure me and stairs should not hang out <laughs> <laughs> no oh my god do you guys have anything else that you'd like to add leanne (laughs) um no we're just happy to happy that you ladies could have us today and um you know it's so great to talk to and get the word out about epilepsy and um, we just love working in the emu and working with patients and you know, our thoughts are with you girls always as patients. If you ever need anything, we're always here too. If you have oh, questions. Thank you. Thank you. Know, so. See everybody, they don't hate us when they put the octopus on our head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to help you. Yes, that's right. I always call them the uh, uh, leprechaun dreadlocks because our um, electrodes are different colors. So Shaman. Yeah. Because I'm always talking about hope. The bald, the bald people, because I'm like, oh, look, you have rainbow-colored hair now. <laughs> the My Little um, Pony locks. It was because I had 62 leads, and my head is tiny. So, like, even when where the leads were wasn't itchy, I couldn't do anything. And I remember one day I was just like, it's itchy. And my nurse was like, pat your EEG weave. Just do it. Just do it. Do the EEG pat. <laughs> uh-huh. 
<laughs> they've, they've taught me that. They're like, but don't do it too much because then it thinks you're doing movement. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> like, I tried. Tell everybody, like, we don't make friends until we take it off. Like, we're <laughs> first, but until we take it off, then we're friends. <laughs> because especially with the pediatric world you know it's oh my gosh I can imagine (laughs) that was like my doctor he had to do rounds in P's neurology in the EMU and I was like are you gonna leave me to go to pediatric neurology he's like nope and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) nursing staff and everything that's like those are special kinds of people patients yeah with to work patients in and out i mean i love it and again it's so rewarding but that's not something i would be able to do day in and day out same i'm sure with the elderly patients in the adult because those ones get feisty oh my goodness Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my gosh there's this old man that straight up punched my nurse in the stomach when i was there just hauled off and haymaker she had to go home i was like what the heck is wrong with you dude but i'm sure he wasn't in his cognitive state but still i was just like oh i'm sure this isn't something that happens rarely i'm sure this happens a lot Mm -hmm. sadly happens a lot more than you know i wish it would um i mean if they're confused of course you know i don't want to say that's complete pass but it's a better yeah right when um when they're in the right state of mind it's it's not okay you yeah. know, that's a whole have, subject, um, but I think that needs to have more awareness as well as what yeah. nursing staff cause, and, um, you know, CNA, PCA. Yeah, one of my nurses was telling me, because they work the whole no- neurosciences floor and they bounce between like the regular floor, the EMU and the stroke unit. Yeah. Is what my Oof. nurse was telling me. And she was like, you're so nice. And I was like, I'm just being a person. Like, I'm just being nice to you. And she said that she's had people, um, she was like, racists never seem to forget they're racist and sexists never seem to forget they're sexist. She's like, they'll forget everything else except for those two things. I'm like, lovely. Yeah. And I've, I've heard the same thing. They're like, you're so easygoing. I was like, what do you deal with normally? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like, I think I'm being a pain in the ass, but... <laughs> Me having to pee is being a pain, I thought. I They're like, no, let me take you pee. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I had like a compared to. So I'd get soda and I'd be like, could I have a soda? And I'd be like whispering it. And they're like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I just don't want to bother you. And they're like, you're not bothering me. And I'm like, but I feel bad. I'd make my mom get up and get stuff before I push that button. <laughs> yeah. See, I couldn't do that this time. That's what I did last time. Yeah. This I time. did. I was like, Mom, I was like, they're dealing with someone having a seizure. She was like, I live with you. And I'm like, I don't care. Because <laughs> for me, it was stupid stuff like, you know how you can't charge anything too close to <laughs> My laptop was on the other side of the. <laughs> Sounds like my puppy. I was like, I need to grab my laptop because my friend had planned on like texting while we watched a movie together. I was like, I need to get my laptop, but that requires pressing a button to ask someone to come stand here while I get up and walk. And I was like, that's so much work. (laughs) I know. I just feel guilty. But then, like you said, like you guys are bored and we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. so it's well, like that and it's also like we i mean i think they'd rather have me called and try to get up and the alarm go off and be like what are you doing yeah. <laughs> i've done that before i, I tried to 
I try to do that. I've tried to adjust myself a little too far and they're like, excuse me. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, like, we'll be right in. I'm like, okay, sorry. We'll sit here. It's funny. Don't do that. Oh my gosh. But I appreciate you guys. We yeah, don't thank you so much. Grace because oh. we don't get this side of it. We just get the, here's your cap and C's. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so a lot of people, when I told them that we were having EEG techs on, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. We don't know. So they're really excited to learn some stuff that we don't know. Well, I hope we can help. And I mean, we appreciate it again. And we are here for you guys, no matter what. <laughs> and if anybody ever has a bad experience with the tech, you know, I apologize. Um, and, you know, I really, I hope. That's not going to be a consistent factor for anybody. If they they don't have patience, they're in the wrong line of work because that's a... Exactly. It's a a tough job. It is. And that's something like when I was in, I was texting Brie and she and I, you know, what else are you going to do when you're in there besides text your friends? And I just remember being like, it's so, like, I feel so bad for people who deal with like who don't have pa- the nurses who deal with people who don't have patients who don't have anything I'm like it's not just you in the hospital they're dealing with so many people mm-hmm. like and I think uh, yeah. so many people don't get that and I'm like they're human and you asking for a little bit crispier bread just push them over the damn edge from the person that punched them in the face so <laughs> it's not you like people are a little too sensitive about it but yeah yeah and uh I know we try to just keep patient per patient per patient you know if mm-hmm. we have a, most of the time the hallway knows when there's an angry patient because <laughs> like you had said our, our the floor we're on is just most is like a lot of neuro mm-hmm. um, unfortunately have a mix of pretty much everything but the main they're the main home base for neurology so that's anything under neurology mm-hmm. neurology is so, interesting a lot a big of, one a lot can happen <laughs> exactly so i mean most of the hallway does know when you know somebody's having a bad day um and sometimes like our EMU patients will even ask that nurse, like, is that, are you okay? And uh, most of the time our nurse, because they really, they really try to be nice to our nurses and really have an easy group. If we don't have the full four EMU techs, um, they'll still try to get them whatever, you know, they always have to have four patients. Um, they'll try to give them very easy patients because, you know, EMU patients, they're a priority. And uh, obviously we don't know when you're going to seize, just like you, most of the time you guys don't know when you're going to see. So that nurse needs to be available mm-hmm. for that patient or those patients. So um, we're lucky there too, that they prioritize the EMU. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I know not every hospital has the funding, but hopefully one day. Yeah, yeah, and I hope they do take it more seriously because it's a big <laughs> EMU helps so many patients, whether they're epileptic or non-epileptic. Um, mm-hmm. We still are able to find answers for them and still try and lead them in the right direction. Yeah, so, it either rules things out or it helps them get answers, and either one, I mm-hmm. mean, help. <laughs> it is. What did we say? It is the most treatable neurological condition. Epilepsy is. So that's really that's, yes. Yeah, I did not know that. As far but as not as the most curable. Correct. <laughs> right. Yes. 
as of today. Hopefully that will change shortly. And it's crazy because it's more common than like Parkinson's and all that, but it just got passed over sometime in the neurology field. By the I think public. a lot of people found it scary and were like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. So it just kind of, yeah, the demon stigma. Yeah, yeah. And I can understand, you know, why people would feel that way. But if they educate themselves more, it won't be scary for them. No. And, and that's, that's why Brie and I kind of started this is like, so people can you know, learn from so many people that it's not what you see on TV and you don't need to run screaming and not every seizure is a convulsive mm-hmm. one. They're all different. People with epilepsy just live yeah. normal lives. We just have... To like our, um, like even our law enforcement and our first responders too, because I think that there are some that aren't as well educated about it as um, no. they could be because we had patients in the past that have been arrested because they thought they were drunk and belligerent and here they were just post-ictal and confused and the next thing they know it you know they're they have police coming after them um so then they become more aggressive so like we've had patients pending charges for fighting police officers um and because they were by themselves so i think that the awareness needs to spread yeah i have a friend who um is becoming a what's it called? Dispatcher. Dispatcher. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, this could be a seizure and this could be a seizure and this could be a seizure. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you how many stories I've seen just in the last year that I've had my page of um, around the country, at least, and world of people getting arrested and restrained and hurt because they thought they were, like you said, belligerent or high or, yeah. you know, something like that. And I understand, like, cops probably don't deal with seizures very often. They probably deal with drunken idiots more so. But not everyone is drunk, you know, and it's, it's a horrible stigma. Yeah, but, exactly. Well, that and, like, the drug use one, too. Like, people see seizures and they were like, oh, were they on drugs? And Fentanyl like, or something? It's like, no. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you guys could, honestly, post-ictally, you could appear that way, but... You know, there's the one in 26 that are not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I look, I look drunk and high and like out of it, like, you know, up for hours, days after a seizure. But I mean, I've never my done drugs in my huge, life. So I'm sure it looks like I'm on some sort of drug because my pupils yeah. are full in size. Yeah, my mom is mine are like this big. And they get glassy. So I'm sure I look like I'm on some sort of mm-hmm. drug, but really I'm just, you know, my brain is... Having, an, having its own issue. And, and not getting to enjoy the, the funness of drugs is actually just breaking down and seizing. So, <laughs> right. Or what drugs supposedly they claim are fun. I've never done them, but still. So. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I'm glad you guys said that too, because that was a thing I've been needing or wanting to talk more about is how you guys see people come in in handcuffs because they don't know what to do and that makes me very sad because who are we supposed to call right and that's always a tricky line too because when someone's you know in postictal they can't say i just had a seizure so you know the cop is stuck between are they breaking the law or you know are they having a seizure so it's that like in the middle trying to Uh make a decision like what's happening and disgustingly now people are saying that they're having a seizure to get out of getting arrested Mm mm-hmm which yeah. I love. Or they fake having them on yeah. TikTok. They right. try. Yeah. <laughs> Commit, guys. Pee yourself if you're going to fake it. 
<laughs> Bite your tongue off if you're going to try it, you know? Come on, get on real. Head, we are going to know if it's epileptic or non-epileptic. Because, yeah. um, you know, we see a lot of non-epileptics as well. And we don't think any less of them. Um, we still have nothing but, you know, the compassion for them and the empathy because obviously that they there's something else that they are dealing with and you know trying to cope with and everything else too we just need to lead them in a other direction because obviously for treatment yeah. yeah epilepsy is not it for them um now because i hear i think is it one percent of non-epileptics are just trying to seek disability, I think it is, but the other, you know, 99% is because of, um, there's other things going on for, with that person that needs. Then I know like diabetes, um, PNES, like all of those things can cause seizures that aren't necessarily epilepsy. Yeah. 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 Heart problems. It's, you know, but they, they think the only thing that causes seizures are strobe lights and drugs. Mm-hmm. that's the big one I get a lot is, you know, they, they freak out about the lights, but I mean, they've done the, the EEG where they flash strobe lights in my eyes and it doesn't do anything to me. I'm just kind of like, can you stop? <laughs> you're annoying. You're annoying me now. Okay. Like that just but, gives me a headache. Yeah. Um, it's annoying. And that's, me. we learned that too. That's interesting. You say our activation procedures. So sleep deprivation, the number one thing that we can find from sleep depth is, is focal epilepsy. Number. That's me. Yep. The photic yep. is for, that's for the generalized. And then the hyperventilation, have you ever done the breathing exercise? No. That's mm-hmm. for abscon seizures. Mm-hmm. So those activities that we do are pertaining, I mean, those, those are what the, you know, they've come up with through the years. Those three can bring out those types. Of Interesting. Yeah. Apparently my, my little abscons or abscons seizures decide to make an appearance on their own without breathing. <laughs> without so the ventilation, so. <laughs> they do. Uh, they like to show off without being triggered sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all of mine are. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, there you are. Sometimes <laughs> I can pinpoint it. Like, you know, sleep. oh, I didn't get enough sleep that night, or I was really stressed. Since I stopped, co- or since I graduated college, it hasn't been nearly as bad because I'm not as stressed. And I stopped yeah. time, but, you know, there's still times where I'm like, I think it was this, but I'm not 100% sure, but this makes the most sense based on what I know. <laughs> or that time of the month was a fun one, is a fun one for me because, um, I had my period and while I was doing the EMU study. And so I was like, well, here's it all at the same time. Let's go. <laughs> you know like let's do it so they got to capture them all i got very lucky but that doesn't always happen yeah. Yeah. and it's like he um patience because you know we can't capture it sometimes so well, that's I, what my doctor was saying is she's like the emu is so interesting because for some people as much as stressful as hospitals can be she said they're not working anymore they have time to just relax and she's like and that can keep them from having seizures at times like some people find it so stressful mm-hmm. that they seize right away mm-hmm. and other people finally have time to relax and <laughs> so they don't yeah yeah we hear that a lot too mm-hmm. it's like, well you want me to stress out but here i am sitting in a hospital bed what should i stress about me sitting in the hospital but I was like the fire alarm went off this is happening what if this happens what if like my anxiety did that for me I almost had to like create fake scenarios in my head to make me stressed out I was kind of like you know I was like 
the building's on fire. So I stressed out and go home, even though it wasn't on fire. But oh, the fire I, alarm went off when I was there. That was fun. I was stuck to the bed. It was day two. And for like 20 minutes, they were like the floor below, or they mentioned the floor, which happened to be the floor below us. I was on the top floor and they were like, there has been a code red. And so I like Googled, what is code red in a hospital? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm stuck to the bed. I'm stuck to the bed. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to burn. Scenario. Oh, they I'll they just... put life flight. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the nurse, but I was sat there and I was like, the nurses know what they're doing. If it's really an issue, they'll come get me. Like I'm on, I'm on wheels. They can just push me. <laughs> just unattach me from the wall, and we're good to go. Exactly. Lean forward real quick. I can rip them off. <laughs> oh, don't rip them off. I've done just... it on accident. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Yes. Thank you. We enjoyed it. I feel like a lot of people will get a better understanding of all that goes on in an EEG mm-hmm. and realize that just because you don't have answers on your EEG does not rule out epilepsy, as you can see. They see a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we'll welcome you back anytime, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give them something to do. Yeah. <laughs> If you need to pre pee, bleh, bleh, bleh. if you need to pee, press the button. Hit the button. <laughs> I will keep that in mind myself because I don't. So now I, I feel bad about everything. Button. And finally, someone was like, "I'm bored. Just give me something to do." And then after that, I was like, "I have to pee. I have to pee. I have to pee." Like, <laughs> like fluff my pillow. Fluff my pillow. <laughs> oh, so funny. We appreciate it so much. Um, I couldn't pull my EEG tech on because she doesn't have a life. So <laughs> we appreciate you guys. I just, I don't know if mine even breathes, but. <laughs> yeah, mom's like, you guys are so busy. How do you find time to, you know, you're so busy. I always feel bad. You guys are like doing so much all the time. Night shift and kids. And yeah, that's just how, that's how life is, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. For the people that are proponents of us getting sleep, you guys don't sleep very much. (laughs) We like when you're sleep deprived because we can come in and chat with you in the middle of the night and say, you get to go to bed in two hours. Yep. (laughs) From two to six, it's like the, you know, you can go to sleep now and then (laughs) that night I think I passed out right at two and I woke up at 530 and I was like, whoa, I got three hours of sleep. Go me. That was like me and my e, uh, my EMU tech. She came in and she's watching like Grace and Frankie and Friends with me. She's like, "Oh, I love this episode." I was like, "You're During welcome." That panic attack. My nurse watched part of The Office with me. Yeah. Like oh. she had an office pin, and we talked about it. And she's like, "Put that on. I'll watch it with you for a couple minutes." So I was like in the middle of my panic attack, and I was just watching The Office. And then she left, and I called my mom, and I was like, "Mom." <laughs> <laughs> So, and also, I don't think they realize how much you guys do. I think they re- think you put the leads on and then bounce and then come back in and take it off at the but end. And that's not the case. do so much more. Yeah. It's not the case. That's just the time we see you is when you're fixing the octopus on our head. <laughs> yeah. Regelling is my favorite time because it takes away the itch for about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, Davy Jones. Oh, final question I got from someone else. Do you guys have any tips to get the damn glue out of our head? Because people are like asking, like, ask them how to get that out. Normally, well, if they use the collodion remover, 
just have, I would say have the text, leave that in until you can get into the shower to wash your hair. If you're doing that, you know, um, or baby oil people have used. Have you heard of anything else, Amy? I've heard so many different ones. We should have had Jen because I know she has good answers too, but uh, I've heard maybe even Dawn dish soap, try that. Coconut oil. I used coconut, coconut oil. oil. My mom had um, a spray bottle of coconut oil and a comb before I got in the shower and I sat on the floor and she was like going through. <laughs> yeah, anything that's like super oily and like that too. Just kind um, of break it down and yeah, I mean, that's, off your hair. you know, so we use collodion, so for the glue, and we use the collodion remover, and I know when I have to take them off, I literally douse their head. I use the entire, was it 12-ounce bottle or whatever, onto a patient's head, and I try to massage it, because, you know, you can typically feel the clumps of glue in their hair. Because I would, like, mm-hmm. I would pull them out in the car, and my mom was like, what are you doing? Wait till we get home, and we can put that that's somewhere, what, and I'm like... <laughs> that's what I do, too. I pull them out. I know that's what I try to do, and I'll try to massage through, and I try and feel those, and I'll try and get them out myself, and I'll tell the patient, I don't feel any, but, you know, just... always be careful too, you know, when brushing your hair the first couple of times, I don't want you to like yank your hair out, but yeah, that's what we've always been. My doctor said you use, you lose like a hundred hairs a day, but when they're all glued to your head, she's like, a lot of hair is going to come out, but your hair is not falling out. She's like, it's just hair that's been stuck there. She said she's gotten calls from people like my hair is falling out. What did you do? And she's like, no, it's the normal amount. It was just stuck. Like you're fine. (laughs) I have way too much hair. I can lose some. It's okay. (laughs) I was a cosmetologist before I got into the medical field, so that's what I try and use to my advantage now <laughs> when people say things like that. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> it's normal. You're fine. You're like, you're good. I know how to do hair. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Yeah. That's what, and that they say, you know, oh, you're cutting my hair, and I said, no, but if, if you need a haircut, it's okay. I know. I'm licensed. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll make sure it's even. You're good. Yeah. Exactly. And blended. Well, if I have to get my, um, the SEEG, I talk to the person who does my hair already. I'm like, you're the one shaving my head so that it looks good when I go in. I went and <laughs> got it's mine shaved. Patchy. And everyone's like, do I need to shave it for the ambulatory EEG? I'm like, no. When I got my first EEG, I thought I'd have to shave my head because I didn't realize they just glued them on. And like, mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was like, am I going to be, because my hair was down to like here at the, like, my arm at the or my elbow at the time I had really long hair and I was like I'm gonna have to shave it all off and my dad was texting my mom he's like did she have to shave her head and my mom was like no but like a lot of there's also that quick side note again misconception that you know shaved heads are the best heads when it comes to seeing our marks and everything yeah but um with gluing it 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 really isn't it doesn't have anything to attach to right then it will actually the little bit of hair will actually lift the electrode off the head so then we have to fix it more often um than if like for you guys you know and us we Mm -hmm. have lots of hair um so as much as it sucks to have lots of hair because of the glue it's better during your emu stay because no interesting because they i shaved i shaved mine for my seg because uh, i wasn't about to have like patches in my head i was like no thanks but um i it was it was a pain to get off my head like i'm now noticing that because it just came out of my hair once i got oily enough yeah 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 uh, interesting mean, side note yeah the FEG, <laughs> of course you have to shave your head all over the place unfortunately yeah please if you don't have to 
if you don't want to, you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, I was dreading it at first, but after I did it for the SEEG, my hair is growing back in brand new. I don't care. Yeah. Everyone has said their hair grows back healthier. I'm like, so if I have to, you know, my hair grows pretty fast anyway. So if I have to shave it, I have to shave it and it'll grow back eventually. Until then, all the damage I did as a teenager is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and you can always try and take prenatals. It sounds weird, but that'll help your hair too. Like when I had to shave it, my hair was the best it had ever been in my life and my nails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Side note. <laughs> good to know. Also, good, good side note. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting tons of info for the people that make it through this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wrote down prenatal for hair growth. So if I ever have to shave my head, I have a note here. <laughs> Thank Good you. Job. Yes. I, I promise it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. It'd be only the worst part is you play with it all the time because it feels like a guy's head. So you're like, ooh, it feels cool. Like a buzz cut. You're like, ooh, fuzzy. <laughs> Pretty much, I was like, it feels nice. My sister but. shaved an undercut, and so I play with that all the time. When she's home, I'm like, ooh, and that'll be my whole head. I'd just be like. That's what I did. And I didn't have to deal with a guy, so I just do it myself. It was interesting. All right, well, thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yes. Thank you, guys. You too. Have a good night at work if you're on tonight. We are. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> well, appreciate you guys for saving other epileptic people. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Mm -hmm. You too. Hope you have a good night. Thanks. Bye. Uh -huh. Bye. Bye.